Okay, we are now into this series called Come, Invitation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Kokfai started us off by Come and See, and then uh, Miriam Copeland talks about Come and Rest. Today, we talk about Come and Drink. This is the, the third in the series here. Next week, uh, our elder Edwin will come, come and follow. Okay? okay? How many of you have been in a situation where you're extremely thirsty before? Extremely thirsty. Extremely thirsty. Okay. It's, it's not a very nice feeling. Not a nice feeling. You will try your best to get, to get water. The, the only time that I could think of is when I went for football games and I forgot to bring water and there was no water and I want to continue playing and I was desperate. I was really very, very thirsty. And then, uh, you know, some of you have been thirsty a little bit. You, un- you understand what it means here. And the worst place to get thirsty is in the sea. If you're on a boat in the sea and you're very thirsty, you're surrounded with water and yet you cannot drink. What will happen if you drink the salt water? You'll dehydrate even more. What an irony, right? It'll get worse. And we all understand what it means to be, to be thirsty. And similarly, beside our physical thirst, our soul also thirsts for something more. It is this particular background Jesus gave uh, invitations about calm and drink. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 7. If not, you can just look it up here. John chapter 7. Verse 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said with a loud voice, Come, let anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him will later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On the last and the greatest day of the festival, what festival is, is John talking about here? It's the festival of the tabernacles, or some it called tab- tabernacle, uh, festival of the feast, uh, festival of the booth. Sorry, it's to celebrate God's deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt slavery into the Promised Land. At the same time, to also to celebrate God's protections in the journey into the wilderness into the, the Promised Land. God's protections here, and we have studied the book of Nehemiah. Remember the book of Nehemiah where they, they read the Word of God and they were crying and Nehemiah encouraged them, don't cry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And next moment, they asked them to go and live in tent. What is that? They're celebrating this particular festival, festivals of the tabernacles here. Okay, during really time, there were a new ritual, though it's not recorded in the Old Testament. The ritual is that the priest will get a gold pitcher and then you will go to a spring spring there, there's a spring, a Gihon spring, and then he will scoop water, and then he will walk from the spring all the way to the temple altar. As he walked, he will sing uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, he says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then he will bring the water to the altar, and then he will pour out water. This ritual, why do I doing this ritual? Is to remind them First, to look to God for water because they are praying for the water needed for the farming. At the same time, also to remind them about God providing water on the rock. 
when they are in the wilderness, and also to anticipations of the living water that will flow from Jerusalem, which is the salvation that's going to come. So they are looking, as they're doing this, they are looking for salvation in the past, the present, and the future. And Jesus Christ stood up, He connects all these together with Himself as a solution. He stood up, He gave this offer, come. Anyone that is thirsty, come and join me. Yes, maybe he's thirsty. <laughs> come and drink from me. And Jesus' invitation is come. It's not a passive thing. You sit down and wait. He said, come. Something that we need to do. And who is it to drink? He said, come to me. He offered himself. Just like he offered himself as I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He claimed, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Our soul is met, our made, made to, to fully satisfy by God himself. So Jesus here at John chapter 7 gives this general uh, re- invitation to a general crowd. But to help us to understand further, more detail, to apply to our lives easier, we're going to look at another occasion. Just before this, Jesus gave the same invitations. Instead of to the crowd, he gave to one person. Not men, but women. Not Jew, but Samaritan. Now we're going to look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus was traveling with the, the, the disciples. And then he was traveling with the disciples. He passed through Samaria. And then he was hungry. So this, this part here very funny. Twelve people went to get roti prata for 13 people and left Jesus alone. So 12 people, disciples, left, go to the uh, city of Sychar to get I mean, not, not prata, maybe their version of bread. Okay? And then come back. I mean, maybe I'm hungry, so I think about prata. So he brought it back. And then Jesus, he was tired. He was thirsty. And it was noontime. There's no way for him to get water because there's a well. He got nothing to get well. So he was waiting and came a solitary woman. And Jesus asked the woman for this. Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman says to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. When Jesus made that offer, it was a very radical move. Why? Because here it mentions that the Jews and Samaritans, they have no dealings. In fact, the woman was shocked. Why? As you have studied the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you knew how because the Israelites, they disobeyed God, they were exiled. They deported them, and God sent, brought, then the, the enemy sends, the Babylonians, the other people from other nations come, as well as the locals, the Canaanites. So they intermarried. When they intermarried, they formed this new tribe called the Samaritans. So they took part, they took some of the Jewish religions, they took some of the Canaanite religion, and then they create a syncretic religion, merged together. So the Jews consider them as Racially inferior. Religiously heretic. So they have no dealings with them. And then here, Jesus here is scandalous for a man to talk to a woman in noontime in the open. Uh, to us, it's no problem. But to them, there is. And guess what? This woman is not just any woman. Here it was noontime. Usually, according to biblical scholar who studied, people will go to the well in the morning when it's not hot. 
So a lot of ladies would go there to draw wa- water from the well to bring it back home. But here, at the very hot noon, she was there. Why? As a purpose. She don't want to be seen. She don't want to hang out with other women. And later on, we discover she's a moral outcast. So this woman is a moral outcast. So Jesus has to cross many, many barriers. What barriers? A racial barrier, a cultural barrier, a gender barrier, a moral barrier. He breaks all the conventions. Why? He doesn't care about all these barriers because he cares for her. And today also, as you sit down here, maybe some of you, you feel there is a barrier between you and God. Maybe you feel yourself as too sinful. Maybe there are certain pain you feel too painful. Maybe you feel that you are too distant. Or Christianity is too chim, too difficult, too deep for me to understand. Yeah, there is a barrier between you and God. And just as Jesus break through all these barriers to reach out to this woman, today, this afternoon, Jesus wants to break through whatever barriers are between you and God to reach out to you. Why? Because He cares for you. And this is our Lord Jesus Christ. He purposely walked through Samaria. Then He sat down, waited for the woman to have a conversation with the woman. And here's the conversations. Next. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is it that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. You have no cup. You have no pitcher. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I gave them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I gave them will become in them a spring of water welding up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water here. Jesus is very gentle with here with this woman here. He switched now from physical water to talk about, metaphorically, soul water, living water. What about soul need? The woman was still thinking about the physical water. Here in Singapore, it's hard to think. Everywhere you go, there's water. You go to the toilet, you need water come out and you can drink. Everywhere. And no problem. When I was, uh, I remember one time I was uh, in China one, um, to visit one of our missionary and um, Northwest region, yes, the water was very scarce. In fact, we were given only a small basin of water, two or three of uh, four of us, one basin of water. That's to wash our face, wash everything when we came back. And uh, yes, poor me at the time, I don't understand. I was the first time to wash. After I washed, the whole water is so really so dirty. The rest have to come after me and wash. Water, and but they have to wash because they're so scared. Water is so scared. But here we have water everywhere. So this woman. I say I don't want to keep on going back to draw water. So she was still thinking about the physical water. And Jesus is saying now here to her, I got something for you that is so that is as basic as necessary to you spiritually as water is to you physically. Something without which you will be totally lost. What Jesus is saying here is that our soul has something like the physical thirst. 
As you go without water, your body will get thirsty. And the soul, if it goes without God, without keep on drawing on God, you'll get thirsty. Our body is made to live on water. Our soul is made to live on God alone. There is a you that is more than the physical body and we need to nourish it. Unless it's nourished by the greatness of who God is, His wisdom, His power, His goodness, His love, His justice, His holiness, then we will die of spiritual thirst here. Jesus is not just telling us He has something to offer that is life-saving. He's also revealing that it will satisfy from the inside out. From the inside out. Look back again at John chapter 7 next. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Within him is from the inside. Let me ask you a question. What makes you happy? What makes you truly satisfied in life? Okay. Most of the time, if you think carefully, some of us may have hopes set on romantic love, on your career, on your studies, on some social cause, on some things that money or things that can help to do for you. And some of you may be saying, if I have that, if I get there, then I will be important, significant, secure. Most likely, this thing that you're thinking about is outside you. Outside you. But yet, Jesus is saying that there is nothing outside you that will truly satisfy the thirst that is deep inside you. To continue this metaphor, Jesus is saying that you don't need water just splash on your face. It will dry up. You need something deeper within you. Jesus is saying that I can give it to you. I can put it inside you. I will give you the absolute unfathomable satisfactions at the core of your being that whatever happens outside, regardless of the, con- of the circumstances, you can still be satisfied. Unless I am the centre of your life. Unless you are still you are, you are spiritually quenched by me, the rest outside you is not going to satisfy you. In fact, it's going to abandon you. It's from the outside. It's going to change. But what's come from you, from offered to you, is come from the inside. It's not going to be affected. And straight away, the woman got it. The woman said, what is this living water? Give it to me now. And then Jesus switched. Sounds like Jesus switched topic. Jesus turned the table. Look at next. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. He said, yes, you're right. No husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands jumping from one relationship to another. The man you now live and now we have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. What is Jesus trying to say here? Is Jesus trying to humiliate her, expose her sin? Actually, no. Jesus was very gentle with her. Jesus was not trying to humiliate her. You think that Jesus is changing subject? Actually, no. He's nudging her, saying this. If you want to understand the nature of this living water I offer to you, you need to first understand how you have been seeking it in your own life. You've been trying to get it through relationship with man after man after man, and it is not working. That's why it's jumping from one to another. Your need for man is eating you alive, and it will never stop. 
Here is what Jesus is saying to all of us, not just to these women here at the well. There are many good things in life. And these are gifts of God. Your family, your career, studies, your talent, your health, your interests. These are good things. But if people say, I want these things, I want this career, I want this pleasure of the art, I want this social cause, I want this particular family, I want certain people that I can love or be loved, I want a certain level of quality of life, a certain level of a career. If I want these things to satisfy me, Jesus said, these are false thirst quencher. They are like salt water. They look good. You can drink it, but it will make you even more thirsty. It cannot quench you. You need to know that. So today, this is for the women. She's quenching for attention for men, for relationship. What about you today? What about me today? What are we quenching for? If you are not a believer today, you do not know Jesus, and you realize that, no, I'm looking for some other thing outside of Jesus, outside of God, then I'm going to ask you, does those things satisfy deep inside you? If not, today, seriously consider about Jesus. But many of you here already know Jesus. Some of you, a few weeks, some of you, a few months, some of you, a few years, some of you, many, many years, some of you have been a Christian for a long time. But yet, somehow, today I sense you may have forgotten or neglected the living water that is within you. And you will veer off to pursue these things, these people, these causes to quench your inner thirst. No wonder sometimes it don't satisfy you. You are still Searching. There was a song, remember, that long, long ago, there's a, there's a song. Like the woman in the well, I was searching for things that could not satisfy. How many of you know the song? Well, if you know that song, you know which era you come from. <laughs> and then I heard the Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. Okay, never mind. Sidetrack a bit. But this thing is not going to satisfy you. Maybe you are like that. And today, the Lord wants to remind you, don't forget, don't neglect the living water, what I have offered that is within you. Don't look for other things to become your main joy, your main source of living, your significance, your hope, your security. They will not satisfy. Only I will satisfy. And the woman gets excited. And she switched topic to a more theological questions. I know you're a prophet, and she asked her. And Jesus, very nice, very gently, Jesus began to explain to her, or the, her, answer her theological question, and finally Jesus offered himself. I am he. It's me. Believe in me. Believe in me. We go back to John chapter 7. What it means to drink of this water. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water that will flow from within them. By this he meant who? It's not a thing. It's not a force. Rather, it's talking about a person, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, whom those who believe in him will later to receive. Up from that time, the Spirit have not been given since Christ have not yet been glorified. To drink of this water means to believe Jesus and this is not just one-time belief, but constantly believing what Jesus has to offer. 
And what He has to offer is the Holy Spirit. And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit come and indwell you. He come and regenerate you to guide you, to empower you, to refresh you all the days, all the time, permanently, because Christ has been ascended. But some of us, the reason why we are thirsty is that we have neglected the Holy Spirit. We fail to call upon the Holy Spirit, fail to be filled with the Spirit, fail to, to obey the Spirit, call upon Him, to rely on Him. And no wonder we are searching everywhere. No wonder we felt a bit dry. And today, the Lord say, be reminded again. You have what you need already within you. That is the Holy Spirit. He is always there for you. Don't forget that. Don't remove that. It is rivers keep on flowing. Springs, the water keep on available for you. Do not neglect that. Do not neglect that. Some of you say, that, no, I didn't neglect that. I have the Holy Spirit. I rely on the Holy Spirit. I'm walking with the Spirit. Still, I'm feeling spiritually dry. You're not alone. There is a psalmist who, is, who felt the same way. Now, I want to turn you to Psalms 42. A different kind of thirst. Psalms 42. It's by a psalmist who knows God, who is close to God. And yet, he he felt this particular thirst. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? He was thirsting for the presence of God. He felt as if that God had deserted him. We call it spiritual dryness. There's no sense of God. He don't feel the presence of God with him anymore. He used to feel it, but now he's not feeling it. And some of us today could be feeling the same way. You know the Holy Spirit. You know what is within you. You have been trying to walk close with God. And yet, you feel this particular dryness. I'm not sure why. Um, sometimes it's called because of sin. But we check, no, there's no sin. And sometimes it could be a physical condition. We have a few doctors here who can know. Sometimes the physical condition will make you feel as if that the world looks very gloom. You just don't feel good. There are some physical condition that can make you feel depressed. And sometimes it could be the environment, the circumstances, you are going through a tough time. You feel that you're all alone. Or sometimes you are just detached from the Christian community. All these can zap away what is within you and then make you feel as if God is not present. God is not. This is what the psalmist was feeling. And if you look through the whole psalm, which I'm not going to cover today, the whole psalm, I'm going to pick up what are some things that the psalmist do during this time of spiritual dryness to help him to feel God again, to experience God again. First thing he did, what? He continued to press on in prayer even though he don't feel like it. Even though he don't feel as if God is there, even though he feels like I'm talking to a stone, I'm talking to a wall, I'm talking to myself, he still do that. Why? In verse 4, he said that, I will remember, I will pour out, my soul is down, I will still continue to pursue God. Regardless of how I feel, I still want to come back to God. I'm still coming to pray. I feel that way also sometimes, spiritual dryness. And those times when I feel dry, when I don't feel like praying, when I feel that God is far away, I continue to tell myself, no, press on and pray. Press on and pray. Why? Why I can do that? The next two things that he did. Why? Second thing is that because there is hope. So, challenge yourself with your hope. 
challenge yourself, you know. The psalmist sometimes when he writes the, the prayer, he's, he's writing his prayer to God. He's talking to God. Sometimes he's talking to himself. He's speaking to his soul. Here, there's one verse here, he's speaking to his soul. In verse 11, he said this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I praise Him. My, yet I will praise Him, my Saviour and my God. He reminds himself, Hey, I have a hope. Why are you so downcast? I have a hope. I have a God. And He's my Saviour. He's my God. He keeps on challenging himself about the hopes we have in God so that he don't forget. So when you are in spiritual dryness, continue to pray. Then speak to your spirit, speak to your soul, speak to yourself about the refreshing Holy Spirit, the hope, the Saviour of God within you. And finally, he comforts himself with God's unconditional love. He comforts himself. In verse 8, he says, By the day, God directs His love. At night, His song is with me. He, he, in the daytime, He reminds Himself about God's love. At night, He reminds Himself that God's song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. He began to pray. He keep on reminding Himself. And today, we have more, all the more reason to remind ourselves about God's unconditional love of Christ. So today, if you feel that you are dry, God say, my offer still is still real for you. Come. Come. And if you look at this offer of God, come and drink. It's not just in the Old Testament, not just in the New Testament, but even in the future, at the last day, when Jesus come back again, He still gave this offer. Let's look at the book of Revelations. Revelation 21. At the end of time, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cross, without cost from the spring of water of life. I offer this without cost. Why? Why without cost? Because somebody else paid the cost. The cost. Somebody else was made thirsty for us, so that our thirst can be quenched. Who is that? In John chapter 19, our Lord Jesus Christ, when He was hanging on the, on the cross, just before He gave up His spirit, just before He died, He said, I'm thirsty. Think for a while. If you know next moment you're going to die, would you still ask for a drink? For what? You're going to die, really. I only ask for a drink. But Jesus purposely asked for a drink. After they gave him a drink, next moment, he gave out his spirit. He's, he's doing something symbolically here, not just a physical thirst. The earlier verses talk about, is this to fulfill scriptures? Fulfill what scripture? Fulfill scripture in Psalm 69. talks about how the Messiah, the Savior, quenched his thirst physically as well as quenched for the presence of God. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took upon Himself all your sins, all my sins. Jesus experienced for the first time in all eternity the horror of separation from God the Father. The Father turned His back on the Son, on the cross there. Why? 
because he was bearing down the full fury of God's wrath because of our sin. That's why Jesus said that, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus had known the joy of intimate fellowship with God. But during for that time of separation, for the brief moment of separation, he longed to for it back. He thirsts for God. He thirsts for God. So that physical thirst that he said, I'm thirsty, is actually talking also about spiritual thirst for the God. It was because Jesus experienced the cosmic thirst on the cross that you and I can have our spiritual thirst quenched. That's how much He loved us. He died so that we can be born again. He did it gladly. Seeing what He did and why He do it will turn our hearts away from those things that can enslave us. They will turn back to Him in worship. And Jesus is giving the same invitation to all of us here. Let's embrace this thirsty Jesus and receive from Him the living water to quench our thirst for eternity. I begin to talk about Jesus giving the invitation to the masses. Then I talk about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who was thirsty. Then I talk about the end times. I want to end with a story about a true life story about another woman who personally experienced God's quenching. Okay. Last week, Pastor Kokfai was telling me that he met with a couple and then he said his testimony is online. just came out and he shared with me the link. So I watched the testimony. Oh, I was greatly encouraged. I want to share with you a portion of the testimony to show how God quenched her thirst. Her name is uh, Judith Halim. She is a uh, Indonesian. She came from a poor Indonesian family. Her father was a drunkard, owned along a lot of money, every time harassed by all the loan sharks. And then she lived with a poor, a poor family, longing for attentions from the father, longing for security in life. And then came a Singaporean man who is 10 years her senior. She was 20 years old. The man was about 30. And then this man promised her love, promised her good life, promised her everything. She said, come with me to Singapore. So, within a short time, she got married. And then in July 1994, she came to Singapore when she was eight months pregnant. So that when the baby is born in Singapore, the baby can get Singapore citizenship. At the time, Judith don't understand English, can't speak English, can't speak Mandarin. She was foreign to Singapore. And then delivered the baby. On the second day of the delivery, the doctor released a devastating news to her. He said they discovered some abnormalities in the baby. The baby had three holes in the, in the heart, cannot live long. The baby also had abnormal uh, brain development called the Williams syndrome. It's one of the Down syndrome category. And the baby needs a lot of care and the baby cannot live long. So because of the baby, the mother stayed back to continue to care for the baby. And then when the baby was one month old, husband dropped an, a big bomb on her. The husband said, Judith, I don't love you anymore. We are not meant for each other. Let's go separate way. And then the husband just left her alone in Singapore. Husband just left. She was devastated. Whole world caved in. She kept asking herself, what did I do wrong? So she said, no, I'm going to salvage this relationship. 
So after two months, she flew alone back to Jakarta to try to ask her husband how can they uh, so-called save the marriage. To her horror, she discovered the husband was living in another woman at her house, having an affair there. She realized that it's not her problem, it's the husband's problem. She came back to Singapore, depressed, totally defeated, full of pain, full of agony, full of misery, and she was in severe depressions. And she began to feel pain in the chest. It was pain of betrayal. See, the psychological pain, emotional pain, so great it became a physical pain. She was experiencing great pain and she couldn't sleep, and she couldn't eat, and she was very depressed. And she decided that, okay, all these things that I've hoped for, all these things that I've based my life on, taken away, I'm going to just end my life. She was staying in a rented apartment, HTV, 14th floor. She said, I have no money, no friends, no one to help me. So she wanted to jump down together with the baby. It was in the afternoon, 2 p.m. And then she decided to write a letter to her mom to apologize, say that I'm sorry, I could not take care of you. I'm sorry, I have to go early. She was thirsting for hope. And it was nothing. She saw no way out. Just when she finished the letter, she received a phone call. And it was her insurance agent. Say, uh, do you want to buy insurance? Now? Say, huh? I got no hope. I got no money. No, no, I'm not going to buy insurance. And then the insurance agent, then you want to come to church now? Want to come to Wesley Methodist Church? I got this guest speaker here. Would you like to come? Surprisingly, Judith agreed. So the insurance agent came with her uh, wife, with his wife, and then fetched her to Wesley Methodist. Put her. She seated at the back of the hall with a baby there. And when she arrived at the hall, it felt that church was so foreign because she don't understand English. She don't know what the people are singing. Don't know what the preacher was saying. And her mind was not in the service. She was feeling great pain here. She couldn't breathe. She was saying, when is this going to end so that I can leave this pain and end my life? And then came the altar call for people to respond to Jesus. Somehow that day, the speaker noticed her and the speaker just uh, so-called highlighted her and said, you, this lady here with the baby, come forward, come forward. And she did not know what to do. And then she just walked forward. She was still having the pain and she came forward. Jesus was reaching out to her. Jesus gave her the offer. Come, all who are thirsty. The speaker began to pray for her and release a word that God knows what she's going through. She will walk out of it. She will become a better person. She become a servant of God. And he asked, do you want to receive this Jesus? She said, Jesus who is this Jesus? I do not know. Can he get me out of these situations? At that time, she noticed that the whole hall turned into red. And suddenly, she felt a sense of peace that she's described as beyond understanding. He said, then she replied to the speaker, I do not know this Jesus, but if this Jesus has to do with this peace that I'm experiencing, I want him. So she gave her life to Jesus. She accepted Jesus into her life. And then she left the auditorium. She went home. And the first time in months, she began to sleep through the night. Not just her, her baby too. Because the baby having medical uh, problem, baby wake up every two hours. But that night, both she and the baby sleep through all the way until nine o'clock. She, she got up, she looked at the window. In the past, she would stare helplessly, hopelessly at the same tree, at the same building, at the same flag, at the same people. Everything remains the same, but she sensed something different. 
something's different. Still no money, still no husband, still no hope about the future, but things look beautiful now. Why? Because of Jesus. The living water is within her. She healed, he healed her. And then she picked up the letter she wanted to write to her. She had written to her mom. She tore the letter away. She called her mom, explained to her everything, asked her mom, can you come from Indonesia to Singapore to take care of the baby so that she can go out and work? The mother came. And then she went through still a lot of trials, a lot of challenges. With today, I have no time. I hope to invite her to come and let her share with you personally about all the trials. By God's grace and strength, she overcome them. She discovered the living water. Years later, she remarried to a great guy, um, Jason Ong. Today, Judith and Ace Jason, they, they own an F&B uh, company called Olive Vine at Marina Square. You have a chance, go there and take a look. Western fusion uh, uh, cuisine. Feel with hope. Part of the profit there, you give away to the poor, to the needy, providing aids to the widows and orphans in the less developed countries. Great testimony. And for her, Judith, God's refreshment came immediately. For some of us, it might take a short, a longer time, some even longer time, but God, Jesus promised you the same. I'm here to refresh you. So today, if you do not know Jesus, open your hearts. If you know Jesus, but you have neglected Him, come back. If you are feeling spiritually dry, it's time to remind yourself about God's hope in God's care for you. Let us pray. Can I invite the musicians? Take some time.